Morning, Lakeside. Oh, that was nice. Thank you very much. How are you? Oh, fantastic. I'm great. Thank you for asking. I missed you. I've been on vacation, and I missed you. I had a great vacation, got to see my children. We, uh, got, well, I got one in L.A., one in Humboldt, and one in the middle in Santa Cruz, and I got to go visit all of them. I only have one thing to say. We live in a large state. <laughs> so, but I missed you. I got to go to church with my youngest daughter down in uh, Southern California. Went to a great church a couple of weeks ago with her, and that was fantastic. And I got to go to another church up in Humboldt County uh, this last weekend. That was unique. I mean, no, <laughs> just, I'm making that up just because I thought you would laugh if I said that. So, no, it was fun. It was different. It was really different, but it was fun. But there's no place like home. You ever notice that? Yeah, exactly. So I'm grateful you guys are here. You encourage me, and I hope to be able to encourage you as we talk together. But every time I just get to be with you and see you, I just, I love you guys, and I'm so grateful uh, for what God has given us together here at Lakeside Church. I think what we have together and what we get to share together is a gift from God. So thank you. And I think it's a gift that we give to one another by being here and, you know, being able to be engaged with one another and to share the love of Christ together. So... I'm going to get all weepy. Never mind. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, let's do a little bit of interactive church today, okay? We're going to um, talk about God a little bit, so let's just start doing some interactive things about God. Some of you have been following God for a long, long time. You've been believers of God. Maybe you grew up in a Christian family. It's like you've been in church since you were born. You're like born in the nursery or something, and you have all this knowledge about God, and nobody ever asks you to share it. I'm going to ask you to share it in a moment, Okay? And then some of you are like, you didn't grow up in the church at all, and you know very little about God. You barely know how to spell God, so it's like it's really hard for you. And, so you, and, and now you're thinking, he, now he's going to ask me to share it, and I don't know anything about God. I'm going to make it really easy for you. We're all going to do it at the same time. Okay, so whether you know a ton or a little, doesn't matter. I just want to just, just kind of interact with me all here together. Um, tell me this. Tell me what you know about God. Go ahead. that all you got? <laughs> take up the whole hour. Take up, yeah, maybe a whole week. I don't, for some of you, take a long, long time, right? And some are like, I ran out of stuff already. Come, you know, bring it back. All right. So let me ask you another question. I know a lot of you could go on for a long time with that. That's cool. But let me ask you another question. How active do you believe God is in the world today? Well, everybody who spoke has an agreement. We, we're in agreement on that. That's pretty Very. God is very active in the world today. Now let me ask you a question you don't have to answer out loud. How active is God in your life today? Same crowd, only half of them. <laughs> and that's fine because I said you don't have to answer. So that's, you're following directions. That's all good. I'm, I'm cool with that. So uh, it's really interesting. We have this, we have this you know, full engagement with Jesus Christ, but Jesus is not around anymore. Jesus is not in this world anymore, and so I want to think through a little bit about how that works. When Jesus left us, he left us with a gift, and for the next few minutes and for the next few weeks, I want to talk about this gift that Jesus left us with when he left here to help uh, us with the idea that God is actively involved in our lives and in this world today. So let me read some scriptures. I'm not going to give you time really to look these up. I'm just going to put them up on the screen so you can see them, and then we'll look some other things up later. But let me read John 14, verse 16 to you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples um, 
uh, during the last night of his life before he was going to be crucified the next day. And he knew that, but his disciples didn't. And he's kind of telling them what's coming. So he says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Now just think about that for a second. Again, the disciples don't know what's coming up, but, but Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to give you another advocate. Well, when he says another, that means he's the first one. He is our advocate. And then he says, I'm going to give you another advocate. What's an advocate? Yeah, that was the same as information you had about God. It's very interesting. So, yeah, it's someone who's on your side. It's someone who speaks on your behalf. That's your advocate. I would love to have an advocate. Whenever I get in trouble, boom, I want an advocate. I want someone who's going to be on my side. I want my wife to be my advocate. I want her to be on my side. I want to be her advocate. I want to be on her side. And Jesus said, when I leave you, I'm going to send you another advocate. And his role is going to be to help you. And he will be with you forever. And his name is Spirit of Truth. Now keep that thought in your mind. And let me just go down through John a little bit farther to John chapter 16. And think about this uh, passage, this statement. John 16 verse 7. Jesus says to his disciples in that same conversation. Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now the disciples are getting nervous. Jesus is having all this serious talk with them when, during their Passover celebration. And they're getting the picture. It's like he's leaving them. He hadn't left them for three years. And it doesn't sound to them like he's going to leave under happy circumstances. And then he says, it's for your advantage that I go away. And you can just hear, hear Peter, he's spinning things around in his head, and he's, I can, you can tell he's about to pipe up and go, no, it's not to our advantage, we want you to stay. I mean, if you had Jesus Christ in your room, if you had Jesus Christ in your life, personally, in a body, right there with you, wouldn't you want him to stay? And then there he is, he's telling you all, y'all, <laughs> sorry, I was in the South, I was in L.A., so... I don't know where that came from. Uh, so here's Jesus. He's in the room with you, and he's, and he's telling you, I'm going to go away. And you're like, no, no, no. And he goes, it's going to be for your benefit. And you're going, no, it's not. And he goes, but if I don't go away, the advocate, the guy on your side, is not going to come. Think about this. We are in a better situation today. We who are followers of Jesus, we are in a better situation today with him gone than we would have been had he been here. That's what he's saying. It is for your good that I go away because if I go, the advocate will come to you. The one who will be with you forever. The one who will be there to help you. The one who will be on your side. That's amazing to me because it's not how we would normally think this. In fact, what scripture says is when Jesus left us, he did not leave us as orphans. He did not leave us without an advocate. He sent his spirit to us. He gave us his gift. We, 
We call him, he called him the spirit of truth. We often call him, because of other passages in the scripture, we call this advocate the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of God and he is with us. Imagine this, Jesus left his disciples, left us, and he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God in all of his power and his wisdom and his majesty and his grace and his mercy and his faithfulness. And everything you said about God is true of God's Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when I leave, I'm sending him to you and he will be in you and with you forever. It's for your benefit that I go away. I think about it like this, when at Christmas, we're about, how far out, for, how many days till Christmas? Some of you know. 46? Thank you. Like, you're either really good at math or you already thought that out. 46 days till Christmas, and so it's coming, I think it's about five and a half weeks or something like that, and so we're going to get into that Christmas story, and you remember the part of the Christmas story where the angel came to Joseph and on another occasion came to Mary and announced to both of them that Mary was going to conceive a child, and he said, you're going to name that child Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, but you are going to call him Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us. When Jesus came, Jesus was God with us, but he left. And then he sent his spirit to be with us. And what would you call his spirit? You would call his spirit God with us still everything the disciples had with jesus and more we have because god's spirit is with us still listen to how paul describes this in romans chapter 8 verse 11 again i'll put this one up on the screen for you he says if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Jesus sent his spirit into this world. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you love Jesus and trust him, he gives his spirit in you. And if the think about this. If the spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you, your next step could be amazing. You, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, how much power does it take to raise someone from the dead? How much, how much horsepower do you have in your car? How about if we put all the horsepower of all of our cars together, both cars in our garage and the one that sits outside, if we put all those together, how much horsepower will we have in the room? Will we have enough horsepower to raise the dead? No, some of you guys are gym rats, right? And you lift weight and pump weight. I clearly do not, so, but you do, and... So you, if you guys have a lot of power, if we put all that power together, could we have enough power to raise the dead? I got one no and a bunch of, hmm, I don't know. It's a lot. No, no. Not enough power. If the spirit who has the power to raise the dead and did in Christ, if that spirit lives in you, Shouldn't your next step be amazing? Shouldn't your next step, shouldn't your next week, shouldn't your next life, shouldn't the rest of your life be filled with all the power, majesty, wisdom, blessing of God? Shouldn't it be? Isn't that why God sent his spirit? Isn't that why Jesus gave us his spirit? We're going to start a new series today. Uh, 
called God 3.0. We're going to talk about who God is. We're going to talk about specifically who the Spirit of God is. Because I have, when I think about this whole deal with, um, with God's Spirit living in me and all the power that comes with that, I have a little bit of FOMO. You know FOMO? Some, some of you are texters. Some of you are, you know, what are you, all over 30? Am I ahead on this one? I know, FOMO, I have FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah, I have fear of missing out on that. I have fear of missing out. I have FOMO about not having the power of the Spirit of God in me. Jesus sent His Spirit to be my advocate. And He wants all of the power of God to reside in my life. And I have a certain fear of missing out on that. When I look at my life, I tend to... I tend to live often, not all the time, but I tend to live often like a functional deist. Remember in any of your classes in school or ever coming across the idea of deism? Deism is the idea that God created the world, fabulous, beautiful, amazing world, an amazing universe, and so he created the world and he got it all spinning and then he spun it out there into the universe and let it go. And no longer does God interact with the world. No longer does God engage in the world. He just created it and left it to its own. So if you ever pray to God, God's not going to answer that because he doesn't interrupt in this world. He doesn't engage in this world. That's deism. And sometimes in my life, because I just get busy or I get distracted or I'm not paying attention to what God's doing, I live like a functional deist. I live like God did all this stuff to get it started. Then he's just counting on me to keep it spinning all by my onesies. Okay, that whole deism thing went right over your head. Um, any Star Trek fans here? Okay, oh, good. Oh, okay, some of you? Okay. Um, prime Directive. The Prime Directive. Do you know the Prime Directive? Yeah, the Prime Directive says something like, I, I, I'll get it right so you Trekkie fans don't get mad at Trekkie fans don't get mad at me. So the Prime Directive prohibits Starfleet personnel from interfering with the internal development of alien civilizations. In other words, Captain Kirk, when you land on some other planet, don't interfere. Which is weird because every episode I've ever seen of Star Trek, he interferes with somebody, somewhere, somehow. But a lot of times we end up looking at God like that. We end up looking at God like he follows the Prime Directive. Like, we are an alien culture, and he's like, I'm going to follow the prime directive. I'm not going to interfere. I'm not going to engage. But that's not how Jesus laid it out. Jesus said, when I leave, it's to your advantage, because I'm going to send a helper to you. He's going to be with you forever, and he is going to engage in your life, and he is going to engage through your lives, through your life into the lives of others. And I have a great fear of missing out on that. I don't have to miss out. You don't have to miss out on that. And what I want to find out in the next few minutes and the next few weekends is how does that work? So we're starting this new series called God 3.0. We're going to talk about God. You go, well, you guys, you talk about God all the time. True, we do. But we're going to talk specifically about what we would call the third person of the Trinity. We're going to talk about this person called the Holy Spirit. So a lot of times we believe in, it seems like we believe in God 2.0, um, you know, among Christians in our, in our world today. We believe, in, we believe in God the Father, that's like God 1.0. And 
And then we believe in God the Son, that's God 2.0, but God 3.0, the Holy Spirit, we sort of leave him aside. We're not really sure what to do to him. He, he, sometimes there's things done in the name of the Holy Spirit that are like weird. And so a lot of us are freaked out by weird, and so we just go, I'll just step, a, you know, step away from the Spirit a little bit. And we sometimes sort of live like it's God 2.0, but the Bible says that God, and this, and strap in for a second, because this it will be hard to grasp, the Bible talks about the fact that God exists as one being who is expressed in three persons. He exists as three persons. God, one being, three persons. We call, theologians call that trinity. Now, trinity is not a word that's found in the Bible. You won't find it. Uh, it's, it's a word that theologians came up with to describe this idea. We, we have a religion or a faith where we believe in one God. Christianity is a monotheistic faith. One God. But everything we can find in Scripture reveals God as three persons. Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And my mind just exploded just thinking about that. I've got gray matter leaking from my ears. Because how, how can you do that? How can you be one person and then be, or one being and then three persons? And some people will say, well, it's easy, Brad, you know, you're a human being there, you're one being, but you're a father, and you're a son, and you're a brother. I'm like, okay, well, that sort of closes in on it, but I'm not sure it's, you know, I'm not sure that analogy goes all the way that I needed to get to for me to understand. I'm not going to try and explain the Trinity to you. I'm going to talk to you about what the Scripture says about it. Interesting, the Bible doesn't explain the Trinity to you. It just tells you some stories where you see the Trinity in action. And our goal is to try and figure out how do we engage with this God, this three-in-one God. So if you have your copy of Scripture, why don't you open up to Genesis chapter 1. Let's do a little bit of work in Scripture and see what we can find out together. Genesis chapter 1, uh, page 1. It's the only time in you know, church where you can go, go to this page and you'll be on the right spot because you'll all have the same. Page 1 of the Bible, first chapter First book, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Here's how this begins. And it'll be familiar to many, to many of you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, let's just stop there for a second. That just, it begins uh, clearly with the beginning. The Bible just begins with God. I like the fact that the Bible doesn't try to define God. By the way, God is indefinable. God is indefinable because, because to define something means to put finite limits around it. How do you put finite limits around an infinite being? God is indefinable by definition. Wait. God is indefinable. Anyway, you get, you get the idea. God is, indef is indefinable, and the Bible doesn't even start to try and attempt to define God. It just starts off like this. In the beginning, God. Boom, there he is. No explanation of where he came from, how he got here, how long he's existed. None of that. In the beginning, God. And when you find out that there's God, then you find out that he is busy about creating. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he made this beautiful universe 
with all the galaxies and black holes and color and light and amazing things. And in that universe, there's this one planet. I don't know if there's other planets out there, but there's this one planet that is beautiful and all this water and, well, not so much water right now here, but, you know, in other places, lots of water and there's beautiful trees and mountains and scenery. And, you know, we live in California, so you got this, like, been up and down the coast this last week or two, and it's like, it's beautiful. God made this beautiful, stunning world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's how the Bible begins. Now, keep your finger there in... Genesis chapter 1, we'll come back to that, but then turn over to John chapter 1 in the New Testament. What you find out is this, when God created the heavens and the earth, God was not alone. uh, John chapter 1, verse 1. Here's how it starts. In the beginning. He, He just ripped that off. Well, he's going to make a point about it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Now my head is spinning because it's like, in the beginning was the Word. And I thought, in the beginning, God. But he says, in the beginning was the Word. I'm like, okay, I can believe there was a Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now I'm like, well, God is beside himself. I I like that. Never mind. (laughs) In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. I can handle that. And the Word was God? How do you be with someone and be that someone at the same time? That's like saying Brad and myself went down to the street. I am Brad, and I'm with Brad. You'd lock me up. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Now go back to Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did He do that? Verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, it says this, And God said, Let there be light. God said, God spoke, God gave a word, let there be light. And in that word is this person who shows up in John chapter 1, whose name or whose title is the Word. And if you read farther down into John chapter 1, you'll find that the word, the, the, the phrase the Word, is referring to a person named Jesus Christ. In the beginning was Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was with God, and Jesus Christ was God. And John describes him as the word because when God was creating, he spoke creation into being. And the means by which he spoke was his son, the word. Now again, that's just way too much for some of us to um, digest, including me. But that suggests to us, and the rest of scripture will support this, but that begins to suggest to us that God exists as God the Father, God the Creator, but He also exists as God the Son, God the Word. And if you go down further in John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In the beginning God created, but nothing He created was created apart from His Son. God the Father and God the Son. 
exist together in creation. Now, back in Genesis chapter 1, you have this as well. Verse 2, now the earth that God had created with the you know, participation of his son, uh, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Which is really cool. God acts like a, like a hub, hovercraft. Okay, never mind. <clears throat> it's a cool picture. And so here's, so here's God the creator, and here's his son creating with him, God the word. And then there's this other person there. There's this spirit there. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I have no idea what that looks like. I wish I could see it. Maybe we'll see replay someday in heaven. But here he's hovering over the water. Now you have the presence of the three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, creator. God the Son, the word through which God expressed his creation, and God the Spirit who is hovering over the waters, overseeing everything that God did. And in that you have a picture of who God is. Now, in my mind, that's just a lot to grasp. It, it, it goes outside my logical categories. It goes outside my logical boundaries. But it's how the Bible expresses who God is. And so I, I, I'm a believer that this is God's word. And so it's like that's what he says about himself. This is how he describes himself. I'm in for that. I don't know what it all means. I don't know how it all shakes out. But I believe that's true. And some of you, you want to have a... You you know, like a reasonable explanation for everything about God. And I'm like, you know, sometimes we have to come to a place with God where we say he is bigger than we are. If you understood every single thing about God, God would be smaller than you. The reason people have created idols over the generations is because idols are smaller than their creator. And so idols have to do what the creator asks. There's power over the God. But when the God is bigger than the create the creatures, when God is bigger than the ones who are seeking to find him and worship him, when God is bigger than us, he will not be fully understandable to all of us, to any of us. There will be things about him that, that are mind-blowing. And that's as it should be. Don't be frustrated. Lean into who God is and who he says he is and what he says about himself. Lean into him. And let him do his work in you. That's what he calls us to, I think. Now, some people have looked for analogies to try and make this more understandable. And some of those are helpful. The father, son, brother thing. And maybe that's helpful to you to just get a handle or a place to kind of sit this in your mind or to settle it in your mind. Some people like the, like the analogy of H2O. You all know what H2O is? What is it? Oh, no, it's not just water. Sorry, I set you up. Set you up for that one. H2O is, is this thing that can exist as water when it's a certain temperature, but when the temperature drops, H2O becomes hard. It's a solid. We call it ice. And then if it gets really hot, it's, it does, it's no longer solid and it's no longer liquid. Now it's steam. It's gas. It's a vapor. 
And there are places, if you go up in the mountains this winter, if we ever get any snow, you can go up to a, some of the ponds and lakes up in the mountains, and there will be snow. And sometimes if you get high enough, there'll be ice on the ponds. And underneath that ice or next to that ice, you'll find water. And so there's water and there's ice. And if, it gets a, if it's a sunny day, you may have water and ice and steam at the same place at the same moment. It's all H2O. But it can be solid or liquid or vapor all at the same time. And maybe that's a helpful analogy of what this God is like that we worship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let me show you one more picture of him from Scripture. Turn over to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 offers the life-size portrait of this three-in-one God. Matthew 3, verse 13, it's the beginning of Jesus' public life. He's about 30 years old, we believe, and here's the story, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so for now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Here's a story at Jesus' baptism where God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit all show up in the same place at the same time, like water, ice, and steam. Here's Jesus. He comes to John. He says, would you baptize me? John goes, no, I'm not baptizing you. You baptize me. No, I'll, you, you baptize. No, you, you know, they have a little argument. And Jesus wins. And John goes, okay, I'll baptize you. If that's, if that's what righteousness calls for, I'll baptize you. He baptizes him. Jesus comes up out of the water. As he's coming out, John steps back. And the heavens are parted. And I'd love to see that. Maybe there'll be reruns of that in heaven too someday. The heavens are parted. And somehow the spirit in the form of a dove. Now, I don't know if that means he looked like a, you know, sort of a pigeon coming down, or if, he, if it was just sort of the coming down part that was dove-like, we don't really know exactly what that means, but the Spirit of God came down like a dove and landed on Jesus somehow. And at the same time, a voice cracked the heavens and said, this is my son, I love him, I am so proud of him. And in that one spot, you have this picture of God the Father blessing God the Son Encouraged by God the Spirit. God 3.0. Now maybe that makes the theological part of this thing make a little bit more sense to you today. Or maybe it doesn't. But undoubtedly there will be some of us who are sitting there going, So what? I mean, God is God, and I relate to God, and I love God, and I love Jesus, and I'm glad there's a Holy Spirit. It's like, okay, so what? I mean, what do you do with that information? What do you do with the fact that, that, that Jesus left and he sent his spirit to be with us? What, what difference does that make? Because really, if it doesn't make any difference, let's talk about something else. Well, here's what difference it makes. Some of you have to get up on Monday morning to go to work. 
Yes? Is that always a good day for you? Not, all, not often. Sometimes, but not always. Who's with you then? Some of you, have, some of you have children. Some of you have little children. And you're having trouble getting them to bed at night. No, 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 I don't want to go. And they got all kinds of reasons and excuses and distractions. And, like, and you're, you know, you're pulling your hair out sometimes, and that's just the easy part. You got little children, you're trying to raise them up, you're trying to make them do right, you're you know, trying to be a good parent, trying to, who's going to be with you in all of that? Some of you have other children, like older ones, you have trouble getting them up in the morning. You have trouble getting them to do the right thing, you have get trouble getting them to make their bed, you have trouble keeping them safe from drugs and other things that are tempting them at school or in the neighborhood or wherever else they are, you, have, you struggle with that. Some of you have children who are adults, you're like, come on, I want you to walk with Jesus. Who's with you in that? Some of you have neighbors, and you thought when you moved into your neighborhood, it's all going to be great. You're going to have this nice, tight-knit oikos, this group of people that God surrounded you with, and you're going to love them and care for them, and they're going to love you back, and it's gonna be, you're going to share cookies, and it's going to be wonderful. And then it didn't turn out that way. Every single one of your neighbors, maybe a couple of them, but not all of them, there's that one guy who plays his music way too loud, too, way too late into the nighttime on Friday nights and Saturdays and Tuesdays. Who's going to be with you in the midst of that? Sometimes you get a phone call from your mom or your dad, and they let you know that the cancer that they thought was gone came back. And who's going to be with you in that? And sometimes your marriage, though it started good, is not tracking in a good path, and you're seeing the edges fray, and you're seeing a, a gap that's getting wider and wider between you and your spouse. And you don't want it to be over, but you don't know how to save it. Who's going to be with you in that? And when you want to do what pleases God, when you set your heart in a direction, you say, I'm going I'm to live my life to please God. I love him. I love what he's done for me. I'm going to set my course to, to serve him and love him and do everything I can for him. And then you get distracted by these temptations and you give in to the temptation. Again and again and again. Who's going to be with you in that? See, the reason it matters that there is a Holy Spirit, the reason it matters that it's not just God point. God 1.0 or God 2.0, the reason it matters that there's God 3.0 is because God sent, the, God the Father sent his son into this world to redeem us, and he accomplished that mission. And when, he was when it was over, he rose from the grave, and then he ascended into heaven, and now he prays for us from heaven, but he's no longer Emmanuel. Jesus is no longer God with us. But when he left, Jesus sent his spirit to us so that he could be God with us still. And in every scenario of our lives, we need him. In every area of our lives, we want him. Because we want the power of God and the wisdom of God and the grace of God to be permeating our lives. And that's why it matters. You don't have to be able to explain the Trinity 
for the Spirit of God to work powerfully in your life. But you do have to engage Him. And so over the next several weekends, we're going to talk about God's Holy Spirit and how He wants to work in us and how He wants to shape us and how He wants to be with us. So that we know this for certain. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, our lives might be amazing to the glory of God. Jesus, I pray for us today. I'm grateful, Lord, that you are our Savior. I'm grateful that you are our Redeemer. Your life was amazing. Your death was remarkable. Uh, it was redemptive to the ultimate degree. Your resurrection inspires us, and now you live with the Father, praying for us moment by moment. I'm so grateful to you, Jesus, for all of those things. But I'm also grateful to you that when you left, you sent us your Spirit. As we walk down this road together to think about who he is, would you lead us and shape our thinking, shape our spirit, our own spirit, to be in line with your Spirit? And let the next step we take be amazing for your honor and for your glory. And for the sake of us and our families and our friends and our neighborhoods 